So the reason I chose William Peace was because of their stellar game design program. It's very rare to find a game design program in the United States at all, let alone North Carolina. And this place seemed like the right place for me for where I wanted to go and the connections I could make uh, within the program. Turn your hobby into a career in one of the highest paid professions in the country with William Peace University's Simulation and Game Design Program. Master design, 3D modeling, and programming in a state-of-the-art space with the latest and most remarkable technologies available. Find out more at peace.edu. This podcast contains frank descriptions of physical violence and human remains. Listener discretion is advised. Three out of the 24. Two. Summer, 1993. Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time, is on top of the world. What if my face wasn't on TV every other second? He's a weird kid. He brought the Bulls back to life. He's pretty cool. He puts on a show. But soon, Michael's success is clouded by tragedy. That a body located in Venezuela, South Carolina, has been positively identified as the body of Mr. James Jordan. Michael's father, James Jordan, found shot to death, his body decaying in a swamp. An autopsy revealed Jordan had been shot once in the chest. We were able to arrest Larry Martin. 18-year-old Larry Demery and 18-year-old Daniel Green with first-degree murder. Two young men in North Carolina are arrested, tried, convicted. Daniel Green thought he'd walk out of the Robinson County Courthouse a free man. Instead, he now faces the death penalty for killing the father of one of the most famous athletes of all time. And James Jordan wasn't just Michael's dad. He was one of the architects behind the icon. He was Michael's first fan. He stoked his son's competitiveness, fed his desire for greatness. I'm lucky to be here. I'm lucky to be a part of it. You ever think of that? I'm lucky to be a part of what he is, what he stands for, and what he's doing right now. And now, James was gone. His death had far-reaching consequences for Michael. I'm very solid with my decision of not to uh, play the, the game of basketball uh, in the NBA. And fed into the reputation of a rural southern community known for violence. The minorities here cannot get justice through the legal systems, through the law enforcement agencies. It left behind questions that have remained unanswered for nearly three decades. Where did that bullet hole come from? Tell me why. Mr. Jordan got hurt. Is it possible for a man to be shot in his car and authorities not find any blood? And you're badly mistaken about a lot of other things in this case, aren't you? Our ballistics expert says it couldn't have happened as described. Why did the family wait so long before reporting his disappearance? My name is Amanda Lamb, and I've been covering crime for WREL-TV in North Carolina for 27 years. And for more than a decade, I've been in contact with Daniel Green, the man convicted of killing James Jordan, and he says he didn't do it. I ask you this question every time we talk because I think sometimes it's the question that's the easiest to not ask. Um, did you kill James Jordan? No. I know that if this was not Michael Jordan's father, I wouldn't be in prison. Daniel believes the spotlight of celebrity blinded those responsible for carrying out justice putting him behind bars for more than half his life for a crime he says he didn't commit. 
and listening to Daniel over the years, I've had to wonder, could he be telling the truth? Could everyone from the courts to the media to the public have gotten this story so wrong for so many years? On this podcast, we're going to completely re-examine this case and all the evidence. I invite you to set aside what you think you might know about this story. We'll go beyond the headlines, guided by people who were there and voices that have never spoken publicly before. And I'll warn you, the story is complex. It's full of contradictions. But throughout my career as a journalist, I've been guided by a straightforward principle. The truth makes sense. Through all the controversy and conspiracy that has clouded this case for decades, there is a path grounded in fact that will lead us from murky swamps to Chicago skyscrapers, from isolated interrogation rooms to open courtrooms where all the world is watching. From WREL Studios, this is Follow the Truth, the story of the James Jordan murder and the man who says he didn't do it. I'm Amanda Lamb. So the reason I chose William Peace was because of their stellar game design program. It's very rare to find a game design program in the United States at all, let alone North Carolina. And this place seemed like the right place for me for where I wanted to go and the connections I could make uh, within the program. Turn your hobby into a career in one of the highest paid professions in the country with William Peace University's Simulation and Game Design Program. Master design, 3D modeling, and programming in a state-of-the-art space with the latest and most remarkable technologies available. Find out more at peace.edu. More great news for Cary commuters. With the new GoCarry app, you can track your bus live on the interactive map feature. Stay informed with the latest news and service updates right at your fingertips. Save your favorite locations and routes for quick and easy access, making your daily commute a breeze. Plus, with the GoCarry app, you can easily connect to GoCarry.org for even more resources and information. Best of all, the GoCarry app is absolutely free to download on the Apple and Google Play stores. GoCarry, where getting there is just a tap away. It's in the middle of nowhere, that's for sure. In 2019, my producer Cliff Bungardner and I came here to a rain-soaked two-lane highway in South Carolina. The North Carolina state line is just 100 yards away. We're standing on Pea Bridge. Flowing beneath it are the black waters of a creek the locals call Gum Swamp. It's, it's pretty overgrown now. I think the path where they originally would go in to fish is, has been overgrown now. And you've heard stories, I've heard stories about feral dogs under the bridge and snakes and everything else. So I'm not sure it's a popular fishing spot anymore. We're here because of what happened at this spot in August of 1993. That's when a fisherman discovered a body in the woods on the edge of the swamp not far from where we're now standing. It was right back there. You can even see it now from here. Yep. It was right back in that. So see where that branch is sticking? See where that yep. tree is sticking out? It's right over there. So it didn't go far at all. No, it didn't. It didn't go far, um, which is crazy when you think about how many days 
it was before he was found. A gentleman by the name of Hal Locklear uh, was going fishing um, in an area called the Gum Swamp. This is Johnson Britt. He's the district attorney who prosecuted Daniel Green. And he looked, he was just looking around and he saw what appeared to be a body that was hung up on some limbs or on some roots of a tree. I don't think at first he realized exactly what it was. Half out of the water and draped over a stump. Yeah, he was more or less um, on the log. I've seen a picture of what Hal saw that day. It's frankly pretty horrible to look at. It's shot through the woods, looking back across this inky black water. A tree limb sticks out of the swamp, and on it, there's this large, well, let's just call it a shape. It has clothes, you can see that much, but otherwise, it's hardly recognizable as a person. He then examined further, realized it was a body um, of what appeared to be an African-American gentleman. Hal calls the cops. They remove the body from the swamp but there's no way to identify who it is. If the person had any ID when they died, it's gone now. And worse, the body has decomposed to the point where identification is almost impossible. They transfer the body to a hospital in Newbury, South Carolina, where a doctor named Joel Sexton performs an autopsy. Sexton describes the body as that of a, quote, approximately six foot, 170 to 195 pound black male who was bloated due to decomposition, and that he had sustained a quote, fatal penetrating 38 caliber gunshot wound to the right chest. The striking part about the autopsy was the extensive dental work that um, the person had had. So the jaws were literally removed for purposes of later um, trying to identify who this person was, as well as the hands were removed to preserve the fingerprints. As for the body itself, the coroner in Marlboro County doesn't have a way to preserve it, so they cremate the remains. You heard that right. The body is almost immediately cremated. No one seems to think it's a very important case, and the clothing, which was removed before the autopsy, frankly, it smells so bad. They decide they can't keep it around. So, and I still haven't gotten a good explanation for why they did this, but the clothes are put into a bag and buried in the ground behind a warehouse. So at this point, the cops don't have anything else to work with. The body is a John Doe, and as far as how he wound up in the swamp, that's an open question. More after the break. Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity. Breaking news, The Designery can give you the kitchen of your dreams. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. 
I am the project manager. The Designery is a lovely kitchen, bath, and closet remodeling company. We do pretty much any of the utility spaces in your house. If you want to store things in your cabinets, if you want to work on things on your countertops, if you want to uh, have a floor that can get wet or muddy, we're the place to help you fix your home up. We are the Designery North Raleigh, located at 3030 Wake Forest Road in the Holly Park Plaza. We would love to see you or visit our website at thedesignery.com. On August 5th, a day after the autopsy on the John Doe in South Carolina, authorities more than 60 miles away get a tip about an abandoned car found in the woods near Fayetteville, North Carolina. And it's not just any car, but a shiny red Lexus SC400 with gold trim. At the time, it was worth close to 50 grand. That's like $90,000 today. Again, District Attorney Johnson Britt. A highway patrolman actually um, had gotten some information that there was this car parked out in the woods, wheels were off, it had been vandalized, and he saw that the car was bought at a dealership, Lexus dealership in Chicago, and that it was sold to Michael Jordan. Remember, this was 1993. I've heard it said back then in the archaic pre-internet, pre-social media celebrity days, if anyone can remember that, to be truly famous, you either had to be a serial killer, a movie star, a big-name politician, or a top athlete. And Michael Jordan, well, he was the kind of famous that even famous people think is impressive. If I could be like Mike, I want to be like Mike, like Mike, if I could be like Mike, he was everywhere, from Nike commercials. Hey, Jordan. And hey, Jordan. What'd you expect? Yeah, my friend. To the Wheaties box. Only months before, he'd led the Chicago Bulls to yet another championship victory, their third in a row. And now, here's a car with his name attached to it, left to rot in the woods in rural North Carolina. This place is Michael Jordan country, less than two hours from UNC Chapel Hill, where he rose to stardom playing ball for the Tar Heels. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! 35, the Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! And right here, this quiet moment in the woods near Fayetteville is key, because it's the first time Michael's name appears in this case, and that changes everything. And it's why we're still talking about it today. Because suddenly, it's not just any car. It's Michael Jordan's car. Pretty quickly, calls start flying around. First, the highway patrol officer who locates the car calls the Lexus dealership in Chicago. The dealership refuses to give them Michael Jordan's contact information, and instead, they call Michael's personal security team to notify them of what's going on. Authorities say the car was discovered by a passerby. It had been stripped, the speakers taken out, the windows smashed, and all four wheels were gone. Just yesterday, authorities say they discovered the vehicle belonged to Michael Jordan's dad. Michael Jordan's dad, James Jordan. And James? Investigators suddenly learn he's missing. Authorities have been in contact with Jordan security personnel in Chicago. They and the Cumberland County Sheriff's Department are working the case, but so far 
No one knows the whereabouts of James Jordan. The last time anyone heard from him was on July 22, 1993. He went to Wilmington, North Carolina to attend a friend's funeral. The following day, he was supposed to catch a flight from Charlotte to Chicago to attend a golf tournament with Michael, but he never showed. That was almost two weeks before the Lexus was found. In the meantime, James' 57th birthday came and went. And yet, the family didn't report him missing. They said it wasn't unusual for him to go out on his own for a while. And if that seems strange, don't worry. We'll come back to this down the road. For now, I want to stay on the trail with investigators. Because it's here, District Attorney Johnson Britt says the cops started piecing together Jordan's movements. One of the things that ultimately became very important evidence in the case was they were accessed his phone records. The Lexus was equipped with something pretty new at the time, a car phone. For those of you too young to remember, this was a precursor to the cell phone. This phone was actually mounted in the Lexus. So when the authorities pull the phone records, they can see who James was calling in the days before his disappearance. At first, they see calls to places they would expect. Wilmington, where he'd been that day, Charlotte, where he lived, and Chicago, where Michael lived. And suddenly, the phone calls started changing. Roland, North Carolina, Pembroke, North Carolina, Lumberton, North Carolina. And he had no connections here. So the issue became who was making these phone calls. Within days, James Jordan's face is all over the news. He's officially a missing person. Investigators in Cumberland County have been swamped with calls and clues since the story broke this afternoon. A lot of agencies calling in now with information of uh, bodies and stuff that have been found in different areas that's unidentified, and we're trying to run the leads, and you know, hopefully they're not Mr. Jordan, but we got to run every lead out we get. Within hours of the news breaking that Michael Jordan's dad is missing, the cops get one very important call. Dr. Sexton, who did the autopsy, sees the newspaper article, sees the news, and realizes this may be connected. And so he contacts them and says, I, I did an autopsy on an unidentified black man that was pulled from the gum swamp in Marlboro County, South Carolina. I have his hands, I have his jaws. Authorities go to South Carolina to investigate the remains of this John Doe. They send someone to dig up the clothes that were inexplicably buried out behind a warehouse. Because now, it's all evidence in a murder case. The identification is made pretty quickly. James Jordan's dentist is able to compare his dental records with the jaw preserved by the coroner in South Carolina. They also take fingerprints from the hands that were saved. They're both a match. Today it is with regret that I advise you that a body located in Venniceville, South Carolina has been positively identified as the body of Mr. James Jordan. The body was originally found... After James's death is announced, the public is heartbroken. You expect that whenever a celebrity dies, a lot of sympathy, support for the family, even more so when it's a murder. But this was something else altogether. Because it wasn't just James the public grieved for. It was Michael. 
he became the focal point for all the attention and sadness. For days, people gathered at the gates to Michael's home. They left flowers, cards, balloons. A spokesman for the Jordan Foundation appeared at the front gate with a typed written statement from Michael. It reads in part, quote, We ask that our friends respect our needs for privacy while we mourn the loss of the head of our family. This is not just a typical crime. This is Michael Jordan's father, the beloved Michael Jordan's father. Deborah Morgan is an anchor and reporter for WRAL-TV. She covered the story at the time. Not only because people around here love Michael Jordan, but they felt his pain as a son and knew how close that he was with his father. So definitely, I think that the there was um, kind of a more intense anger about this crime than there were other stories that I had covered. Everyone I talked to about the public response stressed the same thing. What was so shocking about this story wasn't just the murder, which was horrible enough on its own, but that it had unfolded on the biggest stage imaginable, the national stage, where all the grisly details were revealed. So not only did Michael and his family have to grieve their loss, but they had to do so publicly, with cameras pointed at them and people digging for details, asking about James's past, Michael's future. It wasn't just a private loss. It was a public death. People came with fruit baskets, flowers, and cards. It's just real sad. And I feel very badly for the Jordans, especially for Michael, because James is very dear to his son, Michael. As more family and friends arrived for the service, so did stargazers, hoping to catch a glimpse of Michael Jordan. Dean Smith, Jordan's coach at UNC, was here, as were some of Jordan's Chicago Bulls teammates. Those but pretty quickly, that public mourning became rage. Now, hope of finding the elder Jordan alive has turned into a burning desire to find his killer. And as for whoever killed James Jordan, man, they didn't stand a chance. The investigation then was, who is this fella? Identify this body. And once you get that done, then you start working the murder investigation. That's going to be the next phase. On the next episode of Follow the Truth. I know she's shaking real bad. Is there something wrong? I'm scared. Why, what are you scared of? Being ahead. I don't be scared. I mean, you don't have anything to be scared of. The pressure to find a killer. If you want to tell us the truth, you need to start now. I mean, I haven't told you. No. You told us enough to get yourself in trouble, Daniel. And the way investigators work is they work off the lies just like they work off the truth. You're giving me more ammunition to hurt you than you are to help. Follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Follow the Truth is written by me, Amanda Lamb, and Cliff Baumgartner. Cliff also produces the show. Shelley Leslie is our executive producer. The show is edited and mixed by Wilson Sayre. Our production manager is Anita Normanley. Original music is by George Hodge and Lee Rosevere. Audio repair helped by Isaac Rodriguez. Additional reporting by Clay Johnson, Jay Jennings, and the many other WRAL-TV journalists whose coverage you hear throughout this story. The show is represented by Melinda Morris Zanoni and Legacy Talent Entertainment, 
with branding and digital marketing by Capital B Creative. Special thanks to Dave Beesing. This episode uses additional audio from the following organizations, the National Basketball Association, NBC5 Chicago, the National Collegiate Athletic Association, Gatorade, and Nike. Thanks for listening. Did you know that your unused medications could end up in the wrong hands? It's important to keep your medication secure in a locked location, such as a locking box or locking cabinet. When it's time to dispose of them, safety and properly dispose of old, expired, or unused meds by using an at-home disposal product or a medication disposal box in your community. Don't miss out on medication take-back events happening near you. Don't let anyone take what's yours. Lock your meds. Be aware. Don't share. Learn more at lockyourmeds.org nc. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.